Welcome to Prayer House Online. So glad and thrilled to be connecting with you online. Whether you're here every week catching up with what's going on or you are here for the very first time, special, special welcome to you. My name is Porchi and I'm part of the team here in Weymouth at the Prayer House. We hope that the next few moments, the next few minutes that we get to spend together is a blessing to you. Today we have Paul Wakely with us and he's going to be sharing about the fivefold ministry, particularly about the apostolic um, gift and also what he has been seeing God doing um, across the nation, across England and what he believes God is moving his church into. Um, he works and lives in Bath and he's a great father to that city and has great credibility with the church leaders there. So we're thrilled to have him with us today. And I hope that this is a blessing to you. Over the last few weeks, we've been doing our impartation series and we have been building up to the 25th of November where we have set some time aside as a church to gather together and go after everything that God has for us. And we're gonna pursue the gifts of the spirit. We're gonna be laying hands on people praying for each other, encouraging each other. And Paul Wakely today very beautifully puts that across as well. And there's a wonderful way to do it without feeling intimidated or being intimidated ourselves. So let's gather together 25th of November, seven o'clock. It's a Saturday and let's gather together at Holy Trinity School. So bring your friends along. And also it's worth saying children are welcome as well. We believe that God has a plan for our children. God has a plan for our young people. And they are very welcome to come on the 25th to join with what God is about to do with our church and with our church family. We believe that he has been preparing us and he's going to equip us for what he has in store for the future and for now. So come along 25th of November. Why don't we pray together? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to connect online. I pray, Father, for every one of us listening today, that you bless us and that this will be a blessing for every single one of us, that we will feel encouraged, that we will feel built up, and that, Lord, that this word would be a blessing to every single one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure joining with you. Thank you for your welcome. Thanks, Paul and Anna. Um, you know, you come in this kind of atmosphere and I have about 20 different things all going on at once and I think, I have no idea where to even start, but I bring you love from Bath. Some of you came from Bath, but I'm not going to name you. <laughs> or make you feel, no, no, I don't mean that. Um, so, yeah, bless you guys. What a treat. Um, you know, we sing about the lion and the lamb. And the lamb comforts, <clears throat> I'm being a bit polarizing, and the lion roars. And I feel like at the moment, personally, I'm in more of a mode of wanting to hear the lion's roar as though his very breath um, flooding my heart will awaken things that otherwise wouldn't awaken. And whenever you read about the lion's roar in scripture, it's more an Aslan type kind of, you know, glorious face, but an unmistakable sound that when his breath comes on my heart, something happens 
that normal life doesn't allow. How many of you love that kind of, well, he draws near and his sparkling, dazzling face looks at you and he goes, and something in you feels, ah, you make me come alive, Jesus. As Aslan did with the frozen figures, didn't he? You know, I love, I'm sorry, we're going off on one. We'll get to scripture, please. But I feel like there is a certain roar around that I want to hear a lot as though it's awakening things in me. And my wife and I, when we entered our 70s, we, we, we prayed some stupid prayers. We, we really did. We just, and the basic one was, here we are, Lord, send us. Like, why do you pray that? Huh? Denise, what do you think? You ever tried that one? That, that's, that's, <laughs> okay, today's the day, no, no. <laughs> but it, ever since we prayed it, it's like, oh my goodness, this outrageous adventure seems to have only grown, unfolding in a way I'd never dreamt would happen, and I believe it's the most wonderful and dangerous prayer you can pray is, Lord, here we are, send us in this hour. You think, well, which country? No, it doesn't matter. Just let the king talk to you and do what he says, and your adventure is on. I'm talking about some things Paul asked me to talk about today, but I'm trying to avoid it because, no, I'm not. But can you hear me? There is a roar in the camp from the king. I can't get away from it. And it's for everybody who wants it because it will awaken something about why you're here at this time. And I want to suggest, and is it Emma again? Sorry, I know this isn't what you said, so bear with me. But when she said alignment, there were all the things that were coming through. But I felt this also, there's some alignment of grace and calling he wants to do at this time that will bring you closer to his desire for you in this season. And it'll be different to previous seasons. Grace is shifting all amongst the body to a fresh positioning that he really wants at this time so I hope I'm not murdering your word but the alignment is also shifts of grace where what you used to do just isn't cutting it anymore and it's not because you're not good enough spiritual enough it's simply the Lord is shifting the grace because he wants to move you to a new positioning for what he wants to do does that make any sense you all are completely fuddled I'm going to keep going that's the beauty of having the mic, isn't it? <laughs> and and uh, um, about 10 years ago, I think it was, <clears throat> I loved his church. I, so do you, don't we? we? I just love his church. But about 10 years ago, I began to get really unsettled. And do you ever have those periods where you just feel kind of like, Ugh. and I think the crime was, oh, God, I love your church, but there must be more. There must be more. I can't, I can't just, this is amazing. Yes, great. But there's got to, do you ever get that? There must be more. And, and in 2015, on the back of that, we were in Bristol at a, a conference. And, and some of you know Chris Vallotton. And, um, and, and I didn't know much about him, but it, he was there and he was the speaker. And Chris began to speak. And you know that moment where someone's speaking and all these odd fumbling feelings suddenly gain a clarity because a prophet's saying what you felt, but you didn't have the words for it. That's why we need prophets, by the way, isn't it? 
anyways, and Chris was sort of, you know, Chris doesn't mince words really, and he was, he was just saying, we are in an epoch change. And I didn't know what epoch meant, but I looked it up. It means a complete shift to a new development amongst his people. And, and, and the epoch change was this, he said, the change is from a pastoral paradigm in the church to an apostolic paradigm in his church. And at the time I went, oh, wow, that, that, I wouldn't have had those words. I wish I could have had them, but they represent something I felt. The disturbance of the spirit is he wants to shift his church from what we might have said was a pastoral paradigm to an apostolic one. And he talked about the fact that, you know, it would mean rather than gathering just around, we would be sent in all directions in a very powerful way. But it would be such a fundamental shift, it would take time. Now, here we are seven years later, and um, <laughs> it's 2023. And on the back of that, we began a journey in Bath. I felt like there's something in this, and I'll, I'll quickly try and unpack it. There's something in this that the Lord's doing, and Lord, I want to say yes, even though it's uncomfortable. And so, so we started that journey in Bath, and... Um, and then a friend, a close friend of ours that Paul's knows, Paul knows called Barbie Reynolds, who's quite a prophetic lady, and she prophesied a few years ago. She said she felt the Lord saying, set my sons and daughters in their right calling. And I kind of went, oh, that's set my sons and daughters in their right calling. And I kind of went... Oh, all these years we've been seeking to discover the fathering of God so we can realize who we are as sons and daughters, not orphans. And now the Lord's saying, now, now I'm getting you to that point of sons and daughters. I want to now have you set in your rightful setting. And I kind of got attracted. I thought, oh, God, that, that's an, an amazing thought that you would set your sons and daughters in their rightful calling. I'm just giving you a context. I hope it's helpful. And then we heard in Bath, and I'm not saying it's for you, but it probably is, is. We heard in Bath, God has called Bath to be a seat of apostolic and prophetic authority. And I kind of went, these are big words, Lord. What are you doing? It's like, uh, called Bath to be a seat of apostolic, and not just Bath, by the way. It's just, just what he was saying to us, okay. And so the journey we've been on, and I, I want to suggest to you, whatever you make of all that, which will unpack, the journey we've been on to me feels like in the lion's roar, he is preparing us by positioning his people very, very specifically for what's yet to come that I suggest is at least a big harvest of salvation everywhere. Well, I think so. <laughs> I think we are a very, you know, we could concentrate on the turbulence this morning. We could concentrate on the shakings. I get that. But I am saying, Jesus, in your roar, what are you doing for all of your people? And I wonder whether we're being prepared in a time of intense preparation unto something that we can't quite see, but we sense is coming towards us. And I want to suggest there'll be a great move of salvation but he wants his church reset so that we can be in a place to greet that harvest. Huh? Does that make sense? If you want to fire a question at me, by the way, you're really welcome. I'll hand the microphone straight away to Paul, of course. But, 
But I'm serious. Sometimes it's just helpful to talk these things, isn't it? I, I think, man, there's so much going on. What sound do I want to listen to? I do want to listen to the king because he's on the move amongst his people. And so I'm going I'm to do the obvious, and I'm going to actually open up to Ephesians 4. <laughs> I'm going to open up to Ephesians 4. Okay. Um, and just talk a little bit about the fivefold giftings in the light of what I just said. Um, okay, you all right? Just say yes to me, please. All right, thank you. Uh, you see, here's the deal. When someone starts talking about apostles and prophets, because of my past, our past, looking at Paul, I didn't want to have anything to do with it in 2015. I thought, no, I don't like that stuff. We did that. It was very painful. Could we leave it alone, please, and just, just somehow avoid it? So I went through personally a few years where I thought, God, I recognize this chapter. I don't even like this chapter. I love Ephesians 3. I love Ephesians 5. Ephesians 4 will just skim past because I don't like how it makes me recall past bruises. And so I had to go through a period of saying, Lord, I, I actually, do you know, I want to recognize. I, I, I'm not open to it because... I didn't like what happened. And then I had to repent. And I think he redeemed from me Ephesians 4 in a way where I could think, oh, I could look into it again without that awful feeling of yuck coming over me because of previous. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And so that, that redeeming is a work of grace because I don't want to be shut down to parts of his word just because I had such a bad time with those things. That's really important, isn't it? That abuse is utterly wrong, but it must never cause us to, to, to avoid something that he wants to redeem and give back to us in the way he wants it. And so I went on that journey as preparation, and I want to encourage it because there are, there are, there are aspects of his kingdom that there's been some terrible bruising in, but it mustn't take us away from being like little children saying, Jesus, here we are again. Can we have it as you want it? Can we have it? Because it still says it in your word. And if people abused it, I want to come to the place where like a little child, I'm still saying, because it's little children who get the kingdom. Here, maybe we could pray that today. Lord, here we are. And we're saying to you, Jesus, can we have what you want, not what I experienced, dampening my expectation for it? Yeah? That's an important preparation, isn't it? The other interesting thing in Ephesians 4, if I could just, I want to skim over real quick, but. If you look at Ephesians 2, uh, 4, 2 to 6, okay, just, have a, just look at it quickly because I wouldn't step on it. But here's the interesting thing is it talks about a culture before it talks about the gifts. Have you noticed that? A culture as though the Lord's saying, this is the soil I want these gifts to grow in and I will not Put them in the wrong soil because it'll lead to men and women misusing them. So you get things like this. Be completely humble and gentle. What do you mean completely humble? How humble can you get? You know, like be completely humble and gentle. Be like this is the, listen to me, this is the soil that he says before you go to the gifts, I want you to understand the, the soil I must have them in. And then it talks about oneness. You ever seen a passage on oneness like that? Like, oh my goodness, one body, one 
um, whatever it is next, I can't remember them all, one hope, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father who's in all and everywhere and he fills everything. And you think, I think you're expressing the heart of the Trinity as though that heartbeat he wants amongst his people before he releases these very precious gifts. Otherwise, they get misused again. How do you know we're in a season now where I believe he's doing that? He's, he's set our hearts more into a culture of complete humility and gentleness and patience and oneness and beauty of the Trinity before he releases the gifts. What do you think? Uh, this, is, this is Ephesians 4. This is in the middle of one of my favorite pinnacle whole books of the Bible. And you think, and I avoided it. No, 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 no. One, two, three, yep, five, six. <laughs> but I believe he's zoning back and saying, look, I want you to understand my way to bring my people to their most glorious place in a time of greatest cry in the earth. <laughs> so... Here's what fascinates me. We better read some of it, otherwise you'll wonder whether... What? What's the time? I don't have any... There is a clock here. What is it, 12 o'clock we finish? Okay, I've only, I've only got two hours more, so... Okay, here we go, quick. Here's, here's the amazing thing. Listen, look at, look at this. So in verse 7, having talked about oneness, it's, what's the first word in verse 7? What? But. That's okay, don't, don't freeze. I don't... It just... Right, But. Why but? Because he's saying, despite this beautiful oneness he wants amongst us all, but, like, there is another facet of his oneness, which is about the beauty of apportioning a whole cascade of gifts that reflect Jesus. But, then it says this, Christ, oh, I've lost the verse, here we go, Eat, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's, that's the verse I want you just to grind in. But to each one of us, grace has been apportioned by Christ. I mean, there's so much in that, but can I just, just highlight this? First of all, I believe every single person in the body of Christ has a facet, aspect, measure of one or more of the fivefold gifts. I'm just putting some things here. You can lynch me later, but can I just suggest some things, all right? I believe, but to each one of us, stay with me, um, grace has been given as Christ apportions it. Okay, here we go. Fivefold gifts, right? Apostle, prophet. Oh, good. Thank you. Pastors. We've got, we've got to get evangelists, haven't we, somewhere in there, haven't we? Better get them in, otherwise they get really cranky. So, I didn't say that. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All right, now, don't get hung up on the big labels. Don't, 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 because we'll miss the whole point of it all. This is all about Jesus. This is all about as Christ, who represents all of those gifts in their most beautiful, perfect form. It's almost like he goes around the body and says, I'm going to give you that grace. I'm going to give you that grace. I'm going to give you this grace, this grace. And it's not one label. Do you understand? It's just the king is going around his beautiful bride saying, will you let me apportion graces? And they'll have some one 
of those fivefold gifts to some measure. Is that okay? But I also suggest to you that those who carry those graces, sometimes they grow to such a, what can I say, measure that we might call them an apostle rather than apostolic. Am I treading on a bit of... Okay, all right, maybe it's very obvious, but I'm learning, okay. Or we might say they're very prophetic, but oh my goodness, and this is happening in Bath, I think, as they are schooled and growing in that prophetic gift, some are called to actually be a prophet, but it's Christ apportions, right? No self-appointing, is there? Help us, Lord, please, be completely humble. <laughs> no self-appointing? No, I think... I'd like to have that label, please. No, I'd say be completely humble as Christ apportions this grace. It sort of flows down from the king into your life. And it moves in your life. And how you steward it sometimes dictates how much that measure can grow. Hence the culture, grow the culture, receive the gifts. Grow the culture, receive the gifts. Okay. I'm going to pray today, by the way, I'm going to pray for you all that the Lord will uncover a whole new dimension of the grace of God that's put you on this earth. Because I just think we're in that time. The king's roaring. He's calling. He's calling. Um, okay, where did we get to? Thank you so much. <laughs> Perhaps you can help me through this. Okay. And, and if I could say, it is all about Jesus. This isn't a bunch of gifts available, kind of like, well, let's see if we can sort out who's gifted at what. Well, why don't we say, Jesus, we need your roar and presence so much amongst us that you begin to uncover grace that we didn't realize was there, that only your breath can do, but we want it, Jesus. We don't want to be so proud or so hurt or so bruised that we say, no, thanks. Nope, we don't want any of that strutting around here. Actually, we're like little children before the king saying, Jesus, we're sorry, we do want all your gifts. We want them not for our sake, because the ultimate reason for the gifts is what? Start to call it out to me. What does it say in Ephesians? Second, to equip the saints. Stop on it. Oh, I know that. No, stop. To equip his beloved people. What for? For the work of the ministry. Don't forget, but to each one. So forget microphones, forget, you know, <clears throat> forgive me, the pastor runs the church. Could you forgive me for saying that, but could you forget it because it's not biblical? Okay, stay with me. So what else happens from those gifts apart from, just read out something else. Build up. The body of Christ. Is this about gifts or about the body? The body. Keep going. There's another one there. These are cracking guys. If you read, these are just, these are just mind blowing. Don't please look too. Go on. Something else. Unity. unity. Can you say a bit more? What it says the unity of the. Oh, I thought you were doing it from memory. I was so impressed. <laughs> I thought, wow, he's cracking. Okay. Look, but please don't just. This is profound because we're coming to the end of the age. Until we all reach unity in the what? And in the 
Can you imagine the whole body of Christ and every nation coming to this glorious climax where we are so one, we're no longer fighting, there's no more blood, there's no more division, there's no more... <sighs> and become mature. What? I don't understand. Can anybody help me with this last bit? You look really bright, some of you. Attaining what? To the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does that look like? Well, not bad, really. I think it's just like it's earth-shattering because God wants it to be earth-shattering. So it's all very grand. Well, I'll try and hone it down. But do you understand? I want to be moved, don't you, by the glory of what Jesus is doing for his amazing bride at this time, don't you? I don't want business as usual. Because there's something more he's stirring. And I want to somehow say, Jesus, can I be included? Can I? But to each one. But to each, well, I'm a bit old now, I'm a bit young now. No, but to each one. The accuser wants to find every possible lie to diminish the possibility of the full grace of God that lies in your life. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Good, that's that. All right. Is that quite promising? So the gifts, the fivefold gifts that we're trying to get to, they're all about this stunning outcome that beats in the heart of the lion and so wants his people to be moving towards that kind of promise. And, and forgive me, and I, I listen, I've been pastor, like Paul said, and we've all kind of... Lead, but I sense this huge shift from a way of seeing the church where you have the man with a woman, possibly, if you allowed it. You know, who kind of is the center somehow. Who's the, who's the dude around here? And, and it's, I don't want to dishonor calling or grace, do you understand? But I feel the shift is to break it open so apostolic list floods his people and people are being trained and equipped and, and kind of on the move everywhere in every direction because it's an apostolic season, not a seated season. Yeah, I know. I'm having fun. <laughs> All right. So Paul wants me to be actually applying it, which I will hope to avoid, but he's just asked the question. <laughs> so what we've done in Bath, okay, he wants me to do this. I, I don't want to do this because it's, it's not. So we started this journey in Bath. How do we do it? What does it look like? What would it look like in a church community, in a city, what would it look like if these gifts surfaced and emerged, and how would we do it? So what we've tried to do, <clears throat> a, uh, I think we needed a conversation in Bath that broke this open openly to talk about. Like sometimes, you know, you kind of get someone to, like me telling you at the front, and you go, oh, very nice. We needed a conversation in the city and in the church, well, what would it look like and who's up for exploring it? So the last three years, we've had two settings we've been doing that in. One is what we call the upper room, where a whole bunch of um, different leaders, all sorts of leaders, some are leading a charity, some are leading, you know, um, feeding the poor. It's a whole bunch of leaders in the room and we've deliberately tried to set a culture of leave your armor at the door. 
let's get before Jesus and say, Jesus, how would you like these gifts to be displayed in this hour? That's been challenging, but we based it around worship, so we'd all kneel together and say, we'd like these gifts, Lord. Will you restore them? I think conversations have been really helpful because people have said, well, what about that? And I don't like that. And does it mean this? And that was a necessary process to begin to dig out how could they work in a church or a city? What would it look like? Have you ever, any of you ever seen those fivefold gifts fully working amongst God's people? Is it in a local community? Is it in a city? Is it both? Uh, trust me, we've examined every question you could examine to try to say, Jesus, teach us how you want these gifts to be if they're that powerful. But we will receive them and not fight you over them. So those contexts were the upper room. We have once a month, and we've dared to open it up there, and it's been a little bit bumpy because of some people's kind of feelings about it, but it's been so worth it. Because on the whole, more and more of those men and women have recognized the grace that lies upon them. And we've been able to pray for them, cheer them on, say, come on. We recognize that strong prophetic gift. And we've even said we recognize that strong prophetic gift, or apostolic gift, sorry. And I think we never dare do that because the A word is the one you just don't go to, isn't it? Well, let's talk about prophets. Let's talk about pastors. But... What about apostles? And so that's conversations happened a lot in the upper room. And we've tried to stick at it so that people more and more discover where the weight of grace is. And we haven't concentrated on the five labels. We've just said, hey, what's your passion really? Where do you, where do you really come alive? Oh, that looks like quite an evangelistic gift you got. Why don't we get around you pray for you, and stay with you to see that grace grow. So I think a lot of our journey, and then we have a thing we call an apostolic hub, which sounds really grand, but I didn't know what else to call it. And we've gathered some leaders in the city and had the same conversation. How do these gifts actually emerge in this hour amongst us? That's been really, really good in that we've been as honest as you can be. Is anybody allowed to say they're a prophet or is that really, you know, we've had those conversations. Uh, what about the A word? Oh, uh, is anybody allowed to say, I feel like that's the calling on me? Without someone saying, how dare you? Who do you think you are? We don't, we, we don't want anybody strutting around and we're back again. So we've had a, a trust level amongst us because it's got to be amongst friends where we've actually had those conversations. In fact, we've got a whole day on it this coming week. The whole day is on, can we go further and say, help us, Lord, to see? And I don't have a clear answer, but I feel like the, the culture, the conversation needed has been really important. Also, we have done this. When we recognize the grace on someone, we've got around them and affirmed it and drawn it out. Because how many people feel a bit like, dare I say it? And then they say it, there's a silence in the room, and you think, that's dreadful. We're trying to help one another with the grace that Christ has apportioned on each one. And you may say, well, I'm none of those. Well, can you, 
you're definitely graced by Jesus, that's for sure. So start there. What's the passion? What stirs? Where do, you, where do you find your heart lights up? Where do you lean in to deep desires? You wonder whether that's Jesus. Can I say to you, because of the model we've had, so many people have been trapped into fulfilling a role rather than being released with the grace they've got and flying with that grace and so causing many others to be equipped. Do you understand that? And I'm not against roles. I'm just, I'm just trying to get the paradigm shift that, that Chris Vallotton spoke of in 2015. Okay. Um, I was in a, uh, an event about two months ago called Emerge. I mean, they're all called something, these events, aren't they? Uh, I get really nervous in case it doesn't happen, but it, it was called Emerge. And, and it was about <laughs> explode or... You know, it's like it's got to start with an E at the moment, I think, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know what you call them, really, is it? Um, and I was in this thing called Emerge, and it was 80 leaders from around the nation here. It was a very beautiful setting because I believe they were into Ephesians 4 in a way that I felt like, hey, this. Can I say it is happening right across the country? People are exploring these gifts. They're opening up. They're dealing with the past. They're having conversations. And then they're allowing people to actually venture more into the grace. It's really important, guys. It's really, if we don't get these gifts, the body will not be equipped, vibrant, and mobilized. So we were in this, this meeting, and it was uh, this three-day event. It was really good, lots of worship, lots of talk about it. And then in the evening, one of the evenings, the guy, one of the main leaders, he, after the worship, he said, and he was very beautiful, he said, I, I want to do this tonight. This, this, would, this freaked me. He said, he said, I'd like to go through each of those fivefold gifts quietly and carefully, and after each one, those of you in the room feel most identified with that gift. Would you stand up? <gasps> and I felt I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to stand up for any of them because I. Uh, you ever get that queasy feeling when someone's calling out something? You think I don't want that. <laughs> but actually, it was very powerful. And he came to apostle as the first one because the Bible says this in one Corinthians twelve. It says. First of all apostles. Not first hierarchically. No. First in the order of how God wants to unfold things, we need apostles. And so he said apostles, and he described an apostle. And then he said, now stand up, all of you. <laughs> you know, who'd like, to, who'd like to acknowledge the grace. Actually, it was very powerful. A prophet's. And he apologized to prophets for how they'd been treated. And people were weeping. But the apostles, people stood up more slowly than any other gift. But they did stand up. I think it broke something. Do you hear my heart? And it's not where we're going to jump about. Do you, I'm just trying to say. And then it came to evangelists. And he apologized for how alone they'd been left. And some of them were just weeping in the room. <laughs> the relief that... There could be a change in how we've operated with these gifts. And then he came to pastors and honored them for how they shepherded the flock. And he came to teachers and said, we so need you in this hour. And he just honored each gift. And the presence of God overshadowed it. And you felt, this is very beautiful. 
It doesn't really matter whether someone got it right or wrong. They're just saying, God, I want to be the best I could be in this hour. And if it's to be an apostle, Lord, I'll do my best. Because it says of apostles, they're the least of all. So who wants that job? Do you, do you understand? And so I feel like, God, and I don't have clever answers, but I feel like in Bath we're gradually unearthing the treasure trove by setting contexts where it's good to talk, it's okay to talk, you know, praying for one another, looking at the grace in each other and affirming it in each other because when he's given grace to each one, there's no competition needed, is there? Is there? Why would you want to compete for someone else's grace when Jesus gave you your grace? And so this atmosphere is saying, oh, look at the grace in Denise. Yeah, I've noticed that. Do you know what? I think, because can I say it to you? It's a lonely battle sometimes to own up to that grace unless others around you don't half cheer you on and celebrate you. Hear me, isn't it? You think, I've got these stirrings and da 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 but I better not shout. I'll just set the chairs up. Nothing wrong with the chairs. They've got to be, you know. But, but we could get around Denise and say, what, what's the grace you see in this woman of God? And a number you say, well, well. And it would add up to a description of the grace. And then we would lay hands on Denise and say, Denise, we commission you to a new level of release with this grace. And I tell you what, in God, it will release her to a new level of operating in the grace of God. It does. Acts 13, I love it. One of my favorites. Don't you love it? You're wondering what Acts 13 is. It's just because I looked it up beforehand, I know. But Acts 13, listen, listen. Um, in the church in Antioch, in the church in Antioch, there were what? And? Well done. You're reading it. Oh, I thought... <laughs> I just thought you guys are all kind of cooking with it. And then, no, I got it on my phone. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Could you read it again to me? Prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. <laughs> well, you did tell me all about it for crying out loud. <laughs> Okay, this is moving, guys. This is a little cameo, not of super dupers in the little high-level suite of, you know, magnificence. This is just normal community of God's people where they're saying, oh, my goodness, we've been together. The Holy Spirit is speaking about Denise. It's time we laid hands on her and release her to the work the Holy Spirit has called her to do, not the role she's been doing up to now. The grace is shifting, and where the grace is, that's where the anointing is. That's why in my life I've been very slow sometimes to leave something I love doing, have been anointed to do, 
And I love it because it's comfortable now and somehow the grace is lifting and I'm pretending it's not, so I have to try harder because now it's my effort versus the anointing that was there, but the anointing's shifting. And if I don't go soon, I'm going to actually be sweating because now I'm doing it in my own strength. And the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the Lord's going to come upon you as a company. And in this period where you're looking for an impartation afresh, he will breathe on you and surface grace and gifts that up to now have been a little bit locked up because he's longing for his family to be mobilized to reach into an orphan cry that's getting stronger. This is an apostolic community here because it's always had the heartbeat of an apostle running through it from beginning to end. And sometimes, and I, I, I'm, I'm the slowest sometimes to move. I, I like to be comfortable in what I think, well, it works. Don't disturb, it works. <laughs> but when the lion says, will you come? Will you let me? You say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. It's not to do with, you know, it's not to do with speaking in a meeting. Do you understand? He's sending his saints in all directions. But apostolically, it's of a different order than just being a Christian who goes to work as a Christian. It's a disturbance that says, I want my people mobilized and equipped. And so what I'm trying to be specific at home and I keep drifting away. But what, we, what we've done in Bath is wherever we see, like we have a guy who's really gifted with healing. And what we said to him is, would you gather people and train them in the healing ministry so they go out and do the exploits rather than you just have healing meetings? It's just like a shift, isn't it? Would you get those prophets together? We had, a, we had three years of a prophetic council, which sounded really grand, but we didn't know what we were doing. But we were trying to get prophetic people together and encourage them together to hear what God's saying for Bath. Do you understand the shift is all about release, release, release? Just, just, just read out someone, Ephesians 4, 1, would you? And I'm done. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Like, oh my goodness. Wow, alignment. I better, I better leave that alone because we're in urgent times. I better leave that alone and focus, Jesus, on why you give me this grace. I was with a member of my family yesterday who's very, you know, just like, I wouldn't say anything about it, but they were just talking to me about how they've got this deep-seated sense of a call and the job they're in has got less and less grace on it and they don't know what to do. And I was just saying, it's time for you to make a jump into the greater amount of that grace because the role is dwindling on you and this dream inside is so strong. I urge you to live a life worthy of the call. <laughs> Fine.
fivefold in this room, what would it look like if it was emerging more and more? And I know that's in Paul's heart and Fortune's heart. I'm not saying anything new. I'm just encouraging you. But what, what would it look like in this community? What would it look like in Weymouth if apostles and prophets were at the center of the body or the heart of the body of Christ in the city because denominationalism is going to be swept away? We are being made ready. We are being prepared. And denominationalism doesn't start there. It starts here in me. It's that tribal feeling of me and my patch. God's saying, I'm done with it. One body. Apostles and prophets, the foundation. Can you imagine teachers not just in looking for their Sunday slot, but moving amongst the whole body of Christ in a city? teaching gloriously into the body of Christ and being known as real impartators of revelation and truth. Can you imagine prophets who hear the word of the Lord for Weymouth because they've been together and they're coming to the apostles and saying, we really sense God saying this. And the apostles say, we need to stand with that word and see it happen because this is crucial to the turning over of Weymouth. Can you imagine evangelists who are no longer alone, but they're in community, but it's an apostolic community. So they're not awkward people who simply want to bash you to get out and see people people saved they're part of an apostolic community and therefore their sending is very powerful can you imagine pastors who are such shepherds that they're not worrying about a thousand other blooming things that they've got to handle because they lead the whole community from what color door they're going to paint da, 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 da. can you imagine shepherds wandering amongst the flock until every sheep feels like they are so loved by jesus that they're ready for action and I could go on. Do you imagine? Can you imagine what that would do for Weymouth? Amen. 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 What a great word. Father, we want to receive that. We want to receive that blessing over Weymouth, over Portland, over Chickrell and Dorchester, over this region, Lord. We want to see those shepherds rising up. We want to see those prophets and the apostles rising up. We want to see those evangelists and teachers rising up. Father, we want to see your kingdom come in such a powerful and such a mighty way. If you have been listening to this and you feel stirred and you'd love to speak to someone, please would you get in touch with us. You can send us a direct message on our social media pages, that's Facebook and Instagram, or you can email connect at prayerhouse.uk and you can get in touch with us as well. We hope that this has blessed you. If you want to continue to support the work of prayer house and prayer house online and if this has blessed you and you'd like to bless the ministry of the prayer house and pay your tithes and offerings you can do that online by going to prayerhouse.uk forward slash give that's prayerhouse.uk forward slash give and that will bless the ministry here and we can continue to bring these episodes to you to bless you and for you to connect with what god is doing here as well. Take care.